4: It's episode 5 of the More Than Just Code podcast. This week we discuss preventing your naked photos from becoming overexposed. We take out our crystal balls and make predictions for the September 9th announcement from Apple. Disney presents their latest work, Attack of the Clones. And Mark channels Tom Waits and asks, what's he building in there? Hey everybody, welcome to the uh, More Than Just Code podcast. My name is Tim Mitra, I'm in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm joined by Aaron Bay in Whitby, Ontario. Hello. And I'm joined by Jaime Lopez in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? And we're also joined by Mark Rubin in San Jose, California. Hello. So, okay, so who wants to jump in on a topic first of all? Are going to leave me hanging?
0: Yeah, i are totally going to leave you hanging. You don't... <laughs> Given the pre-show before we started recording, Tim, I think you really need to get yeah, something all off your chest.
4: <laughs> I guess the first topic I wanted to bring up was obviously the the latest quote-unquote iCloud hack of celebrity nude photos. And its effect on you know, Apple's reputation, Apple stock price, the backlash against people publishing uh, these kind of images. Uh, the author of Techno Creep author... Thomas Keenan was interviewed on CBC yesterday, and he was talking about how apparently um, just the act of going and getting these images, hacking them off of somebody's computer or even sourcing them is a crime in the United States, as well as it's a crime to redistribute this kind of um, imagery. And I think the the, the backlash against the stars, as as it were, as it were about their uh, about allowing themselves to to be so quote unquote stupid to have their passwords be weak passwords and their questions be uh, to be to be hackable. Um, the fact that people were backlashing against them negates the whole concept that these women were their. Privacy was violated. And, you know, it's as, it's akin to somebody breaking into your house and rifling through your drawers. That's what happens is, you know, somebody breaks into your house and they have full access to all your stuff. And it's kind of a unsettling feeling to have, you know, all of your stuff be touched, you know. And, and that's sort of the closest we as men could ever come to, to knowing what it's like for a woman to, to have her privacy violated. It's sort of like um, we treat people as other um, and this is
0: this is a, a social phenomenon uh, about how when you have a, a way to distance yourself from other people to make them strangers in society, and the easiest way to do that or the most applicable audience for that are celebrities right we don 't or not we, but <laughs> many people unfortunately don 't regard them as as human beings but mm-hmm. as as projections of their own desires and um, I think that's part of the reason why, um, this, this material is so compelling to certain, uh, mis, misinformed men, <laughs> right. um, you know, to exploit them in such a way and to, uh, to target them, uh, and to spread that material is, you know, obviously not, not a, a healthy thing to be doing. Um, but it's, you know, immoral. And as your author points out, Uh, illegal too
4: right yeah one of the the stars in fact was under 18 so distributing her images is basically child pornography if you think about it um i mean there was a story a few months ago or maybe six months ago um on our one of our radio stations here about the fact that um some you know you probably have this in the states too is that you know a couple of girls you know um put a put an image up on on the social network or sent it to their boyfriend or whatever and it made it made it around the schools and eventually every you know through just gross embarrassment these girls uh, unfortunately took their own lives and um, the thing that what the students didn't realize is that just by sending these pictures to each other like they were high school students they're obviously under eighteen just by sending pictures to each other they're they're perpetuating child pornography and they could technically be charged for that right so
0: Well, you know, there's the social angle, right? Which you're discussing and we're discussing. Um, Mm -hmm. But there's the technical angle. And since we're nerds. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So um, I think it it was initially reported that this was a problem with iCloud. And uh, that just seemed unlikely. Um, And we've seen reports coming out since that. Well, Apple themselves reported that this is not a problem with iCloud. That it was a problem almost certainly with weak passwords. um, And the fact that it was a, a targeted and sustained attack to get uh-huh. this material. Um, and it hasn't, it hasn't just happened. Uh, this, this is stuff that's probably been gathered over the course of months, if not years. Right, um, and so when people are, are like news agencies are reporting on this, they're talking about it as if it's iCloud and it's, it's, it's not iCloud. It's just, uh, garden variety, uh, poor passwords and social engineering, uh, in order to get this stuff. Um, so, You know, I think it's important to at least recognize that um, when people are saying, you know, don't use iCloud, um, we can all recognize that maybe iCloud doesn't work properly, (laughs) but um, we shouldn't not use iCloud because we're afraid of being hacked.
4: I was reading about on the post on The Verge about, um, he was talking about a a guy named Christopher Cheney who basically broke into about 50 email accounts to to steal nude photos and then, and then, uh, forward them around to people. Once they found out about it, they charged him and he's in, been put in jail for 10 years for, uh, for publishing that stuff. And that was a little while ago.
3: I think it's a good warning for people, you know, not just about photos, but about everything, including financial information. I mean, if someone really wants to target your particular account, there's not a whole lot you can do if they're willing to spend the time and effort to to just try you know millions of passwords which can be done the technology's there uh so I, I think it's a good uh you know good warning to people that changing passwords isn't just the a joke and an annoying thing it's it's really an important thing to do
4: yeah and you don't wait till your local supplier has been been hacked like there was a story today about home depot apparently um being hacked and and the whole bunch of credit card information in the united states and canada being um exploited but um and it's 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 funny I, we once had our house inspected and we were talking to the uh, we moved into downtown toronto you know we were coming in from the suburbs and and there's always a perception you know when you move into the city that you know, you're, you're more susceptible to break-ins and that kind of stuff. The house inspector gave me the best piece of advice he could. He said, basically, locks keep honest crooks out, right? And I use that expression a lot with people when they start talking about passwords or, or the reality. I've run mail servers and I've watched the logs and, you know, mail servers and web servers and stuff like that and, and actually been able to watch the logs and watch people try and break into those servers 24-7. Like, unrelentingly. Yeah,
0: they're scripts. They're they're attacking uh, all the servers.
4: Sure. Looking for
0: specific weaknesses.
4: Uh, Maybe we should have a plug for uh, our buddies up here in Toronto at Agile Bits, who wrote an application called 1Password that basically installs onto your Mac, onto your iPad, onto your iPhone. And allows you to um, store in a digital wallet um, your all of your passwords. So, and I started using it about you know six months ago because I don't just manage my own passwords; I manage hundreds of other people's passwords too. And um, it's hard to keep track of that stuff. And you know you. you you try not to write it down in a journal, but at the end of the day, you have to, to sort of keep your memory straight. So 1Password has been great for that point of view, because now I have access to information no matter where I am, because I, as long as I have my master password, I can get into this 1Password, I can get into this stuff. And I was reading the other day, I think they, they tweeted that it can even store your security questions that you uh, that you might need to, if you forgot your password for every reason.
0: Well, that's uh, always been there. Um, you can store notes along with your password. Right. Um, this is something that I've i've been doing for years uh so you make you the the bank poses you three security questions um you come up with gibberish answers using the password generator and one password and (laughs) store them along with the the question and so whenever you go back to the website and they ask you one of these questions you just crack open one password and uh pull out the gibberish answer Mm -hmm. and supply it
4: well and it's it's an interesting point too because I, I I thought it was great when I heard a friend of mine tell me that once he you know, when when he gets something like what's your grandmother's name he says I put down purple because no one would ever guess that that is his grandmother's name because it's ridiculous, right? right. Whereas However, your grandmother's name
3: is actually pretty easily found out if somebody really wants it.
4: Well, that said, but but if you if you put down purple in you know because you think you're you think you're being wise, you're not because the scripts that actually go to hack the passwords are using dictionary attacks a lot of the time, and they'll eventually come across purple and unlock your account, right? So or unlock your access to your stuff.
3: Do you guys use yes. Apple's uh, password randomizer?
0: No. no well
4: just, no. one of the good things about about this app is is it sits up in your browser you can it 's an application one password i 'm talking about It actually does generate passwords for you and then when you use a password on a, on a site, for instance, and you forget oh geez, I forgot to write down that password to make a note of it, it actually keeps track of which randomized passwords you used right. Mm-hmm. And they have a little—it's got a little formula in there. I, I know what you mean about the, the password key thing that that shows up when you try to create a password on your Mac. Right. Uh, it's a similar similar type technology. It, cr- it just randomizes the, the.
3: Yeah, and it's all stored in your keychain, so you have access to it with your with your main password. Yeah. The only problem that I've seen with it is that it doesn't work for apps, obviously, because apps don't look in the keychain for a password. Well, let me
4: tell you this. Apparently, one password has an API that's going to work in iOS eight to allow third parties to use 1Password to store passwords. Isn't that correct, Aaron?
0: That is absolutely correct. Um, So they've got an API and they've uh, just announced today, they've got a whack of developers who are ready with support for iOS 8 when it comes out. Um, They've got an iOS 8 extension that uh, will allow you to, uh, to access your 1Password vault uh, from any app or, uh, or web browser session that supports it. Um, So when iOS 8 comes out, you're going to have much tighter integration with 1Password. Um, on the Mac, it's really terrific because uh, it's got browser extensions um, so that you can uh, automatically log into a site just by pressing command slash on your keyboard. Uh, backslash, rather. And um,
4: Command backslash? Try that.
0: Yeah, try command backslash on any login form. Oh, my and goodness.
4: Look at that. It works. Yeah,
0: Yeah, it's phenomenal. <laughs> if you're not using 1Password and you know anything about computers, you're not hooked up right. So so go go get it and just
4: yeah know. don't waste time do it right now Pause stop this po- podcast yes yeah, stop the podcast now ladies and gentlemen anyway by the way it's it's spelled one the number one password Dot com, yeah, it's agilebits.com.
0: Right? And I think onepassword.com works too. Yeah, I
4: think uh, so. Great product, great people. Go get it. And it installs, installs in Safari and and, and um, oh, All browsers. Or...
0: Well, they, they've got this, um, I think we've spoken about this before in terms of business models, about um, being broad and supporting everything. So they're on mm. iOS, Mac, Android, Windows. Um, I'm not sure if they have Windows Phone, but uh, mm. that may only be a matter of time.
4: Right, yeah. Great product. Anyway, I know that I know I've talked to them, talked to you about it before, Mark. And, and um, mm-hmm. but there you go. That's that's our pitch on one password. Sounds like you guys <laughs> are shareholders. We should be. <laughs> they should be sponsoring this podcast, and I'll be sending out a tweet after this show to see if they will. Yep. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, a- another bit of technology that can be used uh, where applicable in addition to something like a one password is uh, two factor authentication. Right, because right. one password handles the you know what what is your password. But having some other thing, so beyond just the what do you know, but what do you have, is also pretty valuable.
4: Well, it's, it's an interesting point. Like, I do that, I know I do that on Facebook and a couple of other places where um, every time I log in from, even if I log in from the simulator when I'm testing something, Facebook sends me an email saying, somebody tried to log into your account from here. Is that what you mean by that, Jaime? Or, or the one where you use your cell phone as a as a verification model. Uh, more the latter. So the, the kind
1: where you uh, either get an SMS message uh, after you enter in your password from something uh-huh. like a Gmail or Outlook.com uh, or also having um, uh, Google's Authenticator app is something that I've been using with Gmail and Outlook and it's worked really, really well.
0: The only problem is the setup, right? Like it's it's very complicated to set up uh, for that first time.
1: Yeah, and... it's not exactly intuitive. They, they've done a lot with the Authenticator app to make it better um in that you go in say yes i would like to use two-factor authentication with gmail and it shows you a little bit of a uh, a qr code and then you take the app <laughs> and you scan the qr code with your camera and it says oh okay well here's this long digits set of digits right. that, that corresponds to that so you don't have to type it in but it's it's not exactly uh, you know click click and you're done there's it's no. a little bit more of an advanced activity
0: Apple has 2FA for iCloud as well. I don't know quite the details about how it works, but uh, apparently there's a three-day waiting period between the time you sign up and activate it and it actually going into effect. iCloud? iCloud, yeah. Really? That was the part that was a little
1: confusing. So I know I set up two-factor authentication with my um, my Apple IDs. So. Uh, oh, right, yeah. Like for the developer program, at least for for iOS, I do recall it taking a few days before you finally get the "Hey, you've been accepted into this special club" sort of thing. And hmm. from what I recall, all it protected was changing critical details like you know credit card information and and maybe you know looking at your your account information that says where your um, your telephone number and other things. Um, but I, I don't recall it being available for iCloud. And that was part of the confusion going on in the press this week as to whether the two-factor authentication actually was uh, covering uh, or protecting the iCloud restore. So if I had an iPhone and I just put in my username and password that I have figured out, could I use you know, Jennifer Lawrence's iPhone? There was some speculation that that was true, but I, I honestly don't know. I've not tried it out with a random iPhone to see if I could use my own account and so. stuff.
4: To stick your, your iCloud account on another machine, you mean?
1: Yeah, so, so right now, the one of the current bits of speculation that I saw probably earlier today was that, you know, after you've cracked the, the information in order to get what you want uh, with iCloud in this scenario, supposedly not being covered by two-factor authentication, uh, unlike the, the Apple IDs. Um, now that you have that information, you just get a new iPhone, do the, the iCloud restore, and now I've got you know all the access to the photo stream and whatnot. That was stuff.
4: I hadn't really thought about this until you just mentioned it. But I back my iTunes, my phones, and my iPads and everything up to a machine at home. I don't, and it's backed up as well. But I don't I don't use the iCloud uh, backup portion. I always thought it was a bit of a money grab for Apple. to Be honest with you. you know, it maybe- is for
0: now, but it, it'll stop being when iOS eight comes out. I think. How do um, you mean? Well, they're lowering their prices on storage for iCloud, so it's going to be a lot more affordable. Yeah, so like two dollars a month for like twenty gigs. Which I think is pretty reasonable. Anywho, I've pasted into the chat uh, an article from Macworld about setting up 2FA for iCloud. Um, It doesn't have um, two
4: factor authentication for this. Sorry, two
0: factor authentication. You know, we pay by the by the kilobyte here on this podcast, so I'm trying to shorten things up. It includes a video and some instructions on on how to set it up. Um, so it it, it exists, um, but like Jaime said, we're not sure exactly what it covers um, mm. in iCloud. Um, so there's there's a, there's a lot of fuzzy stuff around around uh, authentication on iCloud.
4: Well, it also it also comes down to like what Mark was saying about this, about making intelligent choices about the content you're storing the the, the the reality is is that that most users like I said last week about you know people just use their phone as a phone they don't really understand what's going on on the device and they they put a lot of they just put some casual faith into into what's going on like they'll post things to Facebook and oh hey I was drunk at this party last week and then they don't realize 2 years later they they get turned down for a job because of that posting you know or in the case of photography, you know, you take some pictures you think are innocent, whatever, and, you know, it's out there in the cloud. Wasn't there a movie about this a couple of months ago about the, the movie about them releasing some sex video up into the cloud, right? Um, and that was the, the basis of an entire movie. Ironically, you know, just before, in front of the uh, celebrity nude photo quote unquote hack, right?
3: Um, the what amazing thing to me is I used to work as you guys know uh, on a social networking app for college students, and
4: mm-hmm.
3: uh, it, one of the the features was an anonymous posting feature, and it, it just amazed me what people were willing to post of themselves with with mm. really no second thought whatsoever about what they were posting up there,
0: and, and more than a little alcohol involved uh,
3: sometimes. Yeah, but sometimes you could tell from pictures that no, I mean it was you know there, this was clearly planned. Uh, and uh, yes, was it, was, everything was ephemeral. Everything disappeared. Everything was anonymous. But you know, in the real world, we know better than that, right? These things get out.
4: Yeah. So, so was was the app's intention that, that um, content would be public when it was when made available in the app, or or how are you? No, no,
3: it, it's it's a closed network. Uh, mm-hmm. So only college students uh, were allowed on there, and it was right. it was uh, done by campus. So for the most part. You would only see what was posted by people on your campus. Uh, Yeah,
4: but if somebody put put a compromising picture up there, you could definitely see it. Absolutely,
3: absolutely, absolutely. And uh, of course, I'm shaking my head. You can't hear it, but I'm shaking my head. Yeah, yeah. The posts were ephemeral; they disappeared over time. But there was no way to stop someone from taking a picture of what was on their phone, right? Uh, With another, with another camera. So it 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 really did amaze me just (laughs) what people were willing to to put up there. Uh, thinking that it was it was completely secret and private.
4: Wow. Well and this is one of the things I talk to people about all the time. I you know, obviously I do a lot of consulting with clients and, and sometimes you get into situations where we're talking about things that shouldn't get out into the public. Maybe are working on a new app idea and, and you want to keep it, you know, under, under wraps for a while. And I'll encourage them. They'll you know they'll initially contact me on Skype or Facebook or LinkedIn even and, and they're surprised when I sort of suggest to them once we start getting, you know, get rolling that I say, well, why don't you contact me on my on my personal email because I don't want to have this conversation on the social network. And the reality is I've worked on a number of apps in my lifetime and a number server based things and you you don't know what the the people who are managing the servers are are able to access. You know, so again, it could be some I'm not saying that this happened in the case of Apple and iCloud, but but with you know, and I'm not bad mouthing Facebook or Net- or LinkedIn. I'm sure they're all wonderful guys, and you know, and would never compromise somebody's data. But on a lot of social network apps that you see out there, you have no idea where this stuff is. I saw a posting today that somebody had said that a lot of people don't realize that that just because an app is on iOS, it may not be using iCloud for the storage.
3: Yeah, I think it's 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 rare that it that it. That an app does use iCloud these days. I mean, that may change in the future, but these days, I think uh, either you know private servers or or things like AWS or, or, or Azure are much more common.
4: Right, right. And and, it, and we made a comment about it earlier in the podcast that that iCloud doesn't work. And I think what I've heard a lot of developers saying that you know that they tried to use core data with iCloud, things weren't as didn't run as well as they thought they should. You know,
3: um, so and, and they they kind of laughed about it, but. I kind of think in this case, Apple's being blamed a little bit unfairly uh, and, and are being a victim of their own success because uh, – well, well, certainly for photos, right, That with the photo, shared photo streams and all that and the backups, uh, just the fact that more people are using Apple devices, uh, especially people – you know, celebrities tend to be well-off and trendy type people, so they're more likely to be using Apple devices than anything else. So sure. they're more likely to have their data – in iCloud than anywhere else so right so it just so that the, it's just from a probability point of view the chances of someone's data being on iCloud uh when it was found out is higher
4: mm-hmm. so mm-hmm.
3: it's it, so it's 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 not really it, it's Apple being a victim of their own success in some sense
4: that's true and, and it brings around to a topic I was talking about before is that we can't we can't seem to in this day and age um control what people do once the information gets out into the wild. I mean, people will continue to perpetuate it and, and uh, spread it around until it becomes socially unacceptable to do so. You know, today the joke going around on Twitter was that, you know, you, maybe you shouldn't be looking at those images and maybe you shouldn't be clicking on them and, and publishing them unless you're, you know, a member of the FBI or something like that. Mm-hmm. But it turns quickly turns into a joke when, when two days ago people were giggling as they passed the images around, you know. Yeah, um, it,
3: it's interesting that people are attacking Apple for this, but no one's really attacking, say, Twitter culture. for or allowing culture. people to. Well, yes, yes, but just from a technology point of view, you know, if people yeah. were sharing these on Twitter or on, on Facebook or any other social network, actually,
4: uh, I heard I heard a lot of it was happening on Reddit too. Let's, okay, yep. let's throw them under the bus while we're at mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm but yeah, it's cause apparently Reddit is, is correct me if I'm wrong guys. I think I mean, and, and uh, Aaron, you may know more about Reddit than I do, but apparently it's, um, it's got a certain level of an anonymity to it. Is that not correct? Silence. Silence. Yes. Yeah. Yes.
1: It does have some measure of anonymity and that it, and this is actually from a, a verge article, but it's something that I do recall them having and that it's generally anything goes, you know, as long as you're on topic, which is a constant problem. Um, But you you can't post child pornography, nor can you post personal information. But with regard to at least the latter bit, that seems to generally not be, you know, well-regarded as a rule or Mm -hmm. well-respected as a rule when it comes to celebrities.
4: Oh, really? Okay. Hmm. As you know, I I work with a couple of celebrities, you know, in Canada and a couple in the States. And um, they are, believe it or not, regular people. And they're, you know, they're just people, right you know and uh, unfortunately they, they have stalkers and you know it's a problem for them and, and you know they worry you know even even some of the tougher guys I know who happen to be celebrities get worried about from time to time about about uh, what could possibly happen to them right so I think the know. nut
0: of it is that men really need to learn that um, that there are, there are cultural mores that they need to pick up on um, and to respect other people as much as they would the people that they know personally instead of treating them as, as others. And that's well, yeah, I mean, what it always comes back to. Yeah.
4: Okay, well, apparently next week Apple is going to be... Uh, they've already announced to send out invitations to the media on September 9th, as everybody knows, that they're going to be some major announcement, uh, whether it's going to be something you wear on your wrist or something you put in your pocket or something you have to get a wheelbarrow to carry around. Um, do you guys have any predictions for what you're going to see on September 9th from Apple?
0: Apple... Apple. You've Apple. Heard, of them, right?
4: you heard of them,
0: right? Yeah, well, yeah.
3: I, I, don't, I don't know specifically about the products, but I will say, uh, you know, being here in Silicon Valley, one thing there's a lot of buzz right now. Uh, and in fact, uh, on uh, there's a local community college, at the end of College College, just a block or so away from Apple's campus, uh, which is where they're going to be doing the event. They've actually built Apple has built a a big white building right in front of the the flint center which is the sort of the auditorium uh for the for the college and the whole area i I drove by just to take a look the whole area is fenced off they've got security people every every 20 feet around the perimeter of -hmm. this thing so
0: fantastic so there
3: something big is is happening i mean they don't do this every time uh so I, i don't know I don't and know.
4: Your, your prediction you said yesterday was it's 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 almost as big as Moscone West? No, no,
3: no, 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 no. no, no I, I, yesterday <laughs> I was like, it's it's not as big as as Moscone. It's not as big as, oh, okay. as that kind of right. thing. However, are you
0: talking about the seating capacity of the? The Flint seating
3: centers? capacity. The seating capacity. Yeah,
0: yeah. It's, Much it's, larger it's, than their normal venues. Absolutely. Well, yes. Yeah, yes. Like twenty-seven hundred. And
3: as I said, they they built a whole freestanding building right in front. Whatever right. that's all about.
0: It strikes me as so odd that they they would do that. But um, it makes me actually uh, more certain about the introduction of a wearable, um, which has been speculated widely. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, it feels like a part of it is to do with uh, the home. Sorry, is that home play?
3: Mm-hmm. Home automation, from the home kit.
0: Yeah, home kit. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Um, It feels like uh, some kind of uh, live action demonstration of, of a home kit. System and uh, it it leads me to think that if if Apple is indeed demonstrating or introducing a wearable, which seems really likely at this point, that they will be able to use this this model house as a way to show how HomeKit can be used throughout the home. We're not getting a very good angle on what what it is this building is. My first thought was that it was a stage actually. well, but uh what do you think thing, mark though, you is, saw it in self.
3: yeah well you know the, the pictures are about as close as i could get because the security was so tight unfortunately it didn't get any closer uh, and there really isn't much to see i think that's intentional on their part but it's positioned which you can't tell from the pictures it's positioned literally within 30 feet of the front entrance to the flint center which is a big stage auditorium with with seating so if they were just planning some kind of Presentation with the press sitting in in seats as as usual, they wouldn't need this. So so, Aaron, I think I, I I agree with your idea that there's there's something interactive going on in that building or will be going on in that building. Maybe people can wander around and and look at things and and, and uh, it, you know it seems like Apple would do this so that they could really show off what the products are close up. So,
0: Mark, how, how would the – the press would normally go in through the front door, right? Right. <laughs> um, That's right. Wh- how would they access the, the, the Flint Center now, given the position of this building?
3: Yeah, good question. Uh, there is space in between. If they opened up the, you know, the staff the gates, they could they could allow people in between to walk through. And then maybe when they come out, they open the door to the, to the new building and let people into the building.
0: Mm, yeah, very interesting. It
3: is very interesting. Um, yeah. yeah well, that's, what,
0: that's what makes this so fascinating a topic, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, so
2: we. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind.
4: For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me.
2: Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary.
0: We're talking now about what, what we think Apple's going to do on Tuesday. And
4: I have a bit of a scoop. Well, oh, really? Oh, wow. Oh, it's not really a new Scoop. I'm going to shut I, up. I just realized, well, I just realized, It's. I thought it was a Scoop, but I'm just looking at the date stamp on the post. I posted a thing on Twitter just a, f- a few minutes ago. Um, this is Tuesday or Wednesday night when we're recording. Um, that uh, somebody in the latest version of uh, Xcode 6, I don't think we can talk about this. You know, I guess we can. It's, on, it's online. Um, somebody noticed that there's a new default size of um, 1400 by 736. Which would translate in Retina to eight twenty-eight by fourteen seventy-two, which they're predicting might be the size of the new iPhone six.
0: Okay, like the four point seven inch version. Um, that nah,
4: you
3: don't
0: know
4: how that works out. Okay,
0: well, what's
3: the aspect ratio of that? Is it a mm. is it a phone aspect ratio or a pad? Break out your calculator. calculator.
0: Yeah, mm. So, so a, the, the
3: iPad Maxi maybe. Well, that's <laughs> lower resolution than the Retina iPad. Right? Okay, you're right. Yeah.
0: So Gruber published a post last week about, um, all these various, uh, speculations around the size of the uh, sure. iPhone yep. and, yep. uh, his, his final conclusion was that, um, I don't have it in front of me, so I don't know the exact numbers, but that it would be a 2X resolution for the 4.7 inch iPhone and a 3X resolution on the 5.5. 5. Yeah. Um, Ooh. and that's, that's even if you can still, like, I still can't swallow the idea of a five and a half inch iPhone, but uh there's a lot of smoke around that um as for the actual pixel sizes um i you know i don't get too excited about that to be honest with you
4: <laughs> no but it does it does sort of raise a raise a, a question about what we we're talking about in the last couple of weeks about the fact that we're going to be supporting different sizes again um and that was was adapted layout as it was called mm-hmm. uh, adapted yep. yeah, yeah, with the adapted, size classes yeah size classes adapted ui um, to support different size devices. Right. So, um, yeah,
0: well it, it, like I, yeah, like that's really what it comes back to. It doesn't matter what the size of the thing is anymore. Uh, right. if, if, uh, if we developers are building our apps correctly, then, uh, the app can, or the phones can be whatever size it likes and we'll just fit the space.
4: Hmm.
1: I think I'll be specific on mine on what I think is going to happen. I, th- I think they will have the 4.7 inch iPhone six. Yeah. Um, I'm not as convinced of the 5 point5 if they, if they do come up with something like that, I don't think it's this year. I think it's more something that they're they're testing the waters. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do think especially with the the special building that they're creating, I, I do think that a wearable of some sort is coming, uh, especially with their uh, their you know their little tease in the invitation uh, for the press. Uh, there's always a little bit of a more. hint. Yeah, what do you yeah think exactly, that, we, which we sounds a lot more, like, like Siri, right? It sounds, it sounds like something that you would naturally use um, for home automation and for uh, a wearable, having a an easy-to-access microphone
3: oh,
0: uh, without having to walk around with
3: your phone in your hand. Turn on the lights. <laughs> you, you just say turn on the lights and the lights come on, something like that.
0: You know, the thing that worries me about that is that it's going to require a constellation of other gadgets, right, to put in your house, right? So, like, I'm going to need special light bulbs and I'm going to need special, like, uh, you know, uh thermostats and special smoke detectors and um well, you know yeah, and, and it hydraulic it. actuators on the doors it raises that <laughs> it raises uh, Jaime's point about the white first world problems too right that uh they're making our home more like the Jetsons um you know minus you know the uh, automatons that do all our work for us and I wish they would make that <laughs> you're right and that definitely is a first world problem um that's, that's sort of where Apple plays,
1: though, isn't it? Because they're, they're playing at the high end. This isn't you know, intended to be um, you know, the mid to, to low range end of the market. I, I definitely think, especially from an early adopter standpoint, it'll be uh, the high end of the market, folks who are, are buying the brand new iPhone 6 um, and not somebody who's still hanging around with a, an iPhone 4. I kind of wonder if it will... I mean, it, I, I'm not sure it will require whole new gadgets um, in, in, in many cases, uh, at least for turning on and off lights and and simple you know binary things, there are uh, special plugs that you can put in that sits in between. Um, I don't know, like your TV and and the electric uh, outlet, and there are connectors you can put in for the bulbs that will switch on and off the electricity depending on a a command coming from a a Wi-Fi enabled system. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course,
0: four, four, those four those three, things have been around you know, for what? years. Yeah. But the fact is, is that most people don't own them. So like the, the play that Apple's going to make on the, at their announcement, assuming that they do this, right. But they're going to have to make the case, not only for the thing you wear, that's going to command these devices, but the devices themselves. Maybe they're going
4: after Home Home Depot. (laughs) (laughs) It just seems incredible.
0: Yeah. Well, maybe Home Depot will sell this stuff.
4: Oh, it's true. Yeah.
0: You know, uh, so that would be great, but. You know, like okay, to take full advantage of this technology, not only do I have to buy the three, four, five hundred dollar smartwatch, or whatever you call it, uh, but also hundreds of dollars worth of other gadgets that I got to plug into every
3: receptacle. and But light but switch. who says they have to be the same thing, right? There's there's home kit and there's health kit. Not that that necessarily means anything, but they could be just completely separate product lines that are both being introduced at the same time. So there could be the wearables, and there could there could be the home automation, which is completely separate.
0: You know, I think that they'll both be features that, that this wearable can can help you with. Um, but you know, what's what's it going to be for for the health part? Maybe maybe the building's a little hospital.
3: Yeah, I don't
4: know. <laughs> <laughs> well I, I thought it was where they're gonna land the drones when they deliver when you order your iPhone the drones will take off from there. Um or, or maybe this is
3: where they'll have the, the giant Apple TV set up. <laughs> <laughs> you, mean
4: the, you mean the Apple T V station?
3: Well, that too.
4: <laughs> so I'm not sure. If, I think Aaron or somebody posted this online and I saw it today. That Samsung's apparently announced a new phone, a new Ford With I sent a link to you guys just now. Yep. Yeah, I see. Uh, on, Samsung's introduced a phone with a curved screen so you can actually see the edge of the screen.
3: Yeah, yeah. I saw a TV report on it. It looks pretty cool, I have to say. Um, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, but it's crap.
0: Come on. It's well, Samsung and it's, no, crap. Crap. Yes. it's crap. I know it's More crap. crap but yes. the, thing,
4: the thing about it is people buy crap, right? Oh, so, do they ever? Yeah. They
0: buy whatever the, the the guy at the carrier store tells them to buy. Oh,
4: but yeah. wait, I just realized it's got a, sty- a stylus, too. Of course, it has a stylus.
0: S Pen. S Pen. S Pen. Uh, you know, spin. it's Ooh. the thing is on one side of the screen. Um, they have no idea what to use it for. Um, nobody will ever support it in any number uh, in terms of developers. Um,
4: Oh, because yeah, it's only only left-handers need not
0: apply. Yeah. And, um, actually the other thing that Samsung announced today was a new galaxy Wear watch, uh, with an, with also with a curved screen. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's just, I think their seventh smartwatch this year. Um, and obviously positioned to preempt Apple's announcement on Tuesday.
4: Mm-hmm. Well, that's, this is the time of year when when everybody announces their their new gadgets, right? So,
0: well, especially if Apple's doing it. Yeah, yeah, I swear to God, Samsung has like a bucket in Seoul, and when when the time is right, they just say, "Look, throw that thing out of the bucket and put it on the market."
4: <laughs> and right. none of
0: these devices, like this this new Galaxy phone with the curved screen, the Edge. Uh, or the watch, um, have, um, availability or pricing announced to them. Um, they're, they're just little, little fantasies distributed to reviewers. Um, with a little, you know, flash, here's what it looks like and then put it away. And we don't even know if it's going to hit the market. Right, right. That's not what Apple does. That's not how they work, right? Like when they come out with an announcement, they're like, Hey, you can buy this today or next week, or if it's a brand new product, like the phone or the iPad or this watch wearable, uh, maybe in a few months.
4: Right. Uh, it's interesting. I'm just looking at the a, a, a site right now to see what predi- predictions are, and and there's not much. I mean, Health Kit, obviously, HomeKit, you know, iOS 8 and Yosemite, which we already knew about. You know, some something to do with Apple TV, right? No, Although, that's crazy. Yeah, you're I, not I, you're not going to see
0: that.
1: It would be nice to see them do something with that because those those machines have gotten old and crusty. I mean, that's a that's a very very old archaic design. It's kind of that been left agreed. in the dust by Roku and uh, and even Amazon's Fire TV.
0: I think that they'll probably, when they do bump that, it, it probably won't merit an event. Um, more likely that they'll just announce it one day. N- new UI, upgraded hardware, uh, but essentially does the same thing. It doesn't solve you know any of the real problems that the Apple TV has. That's a good topic for a show, by the way.
4: What Apple TV in general?
0: The the real problems with the Apple TV. Uh, You could talk about things like uh, the channel selection, the lack of uh, third-party API support, um, a store, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, Things that other competitors are doing that uh, the Apple TV doesn't.
3: Just in the idle speculation realm, uh, Apple still hasn't released the 4K display that the Mac Pro. Yes, He's really good about uh, about driving. So maybe yeah. the new Apple TV will have a 4K display,
0: and actually be that? a television set. Is and what you're actually, saying.
3: actually be a television
0: set. Yeah. Wow, yeah. wouldn't that be something? Yeah. Gene must <clears throat> Gene Munster will explode with joy. <laughs> yeah. I think for that very reason, they'll never do it.
4: Well, I was gonna say I was gonna say it's unlikely too because the proliferation of of, Apple, of TVs out in the marketplace. I can't imagine that Apple would ever try and get into that market. They're they're much more, much too intelligent for that. To be honest with you.
0: Yeah, I agree. I don't. I just can't see them doing a television set. Uh, but another display, like replace that aging Thunderbolt display, right, right, with a high resolution panel, and now we're talking. Mm-hmm. God, it sells so many of those. I'd almost buy one immediately.
4: So we were, earlier we were talking about some extensions. We we touched on One uh, Password and using uh, using the new extensibility in iOS 8. And one of the things on people's wish lists for a long time have been uh, be, to be able to customize the keyboard on uh, iOS 8. And I think one of the at 360i they have one of the demo apps that I saw was was related to uh, somebody creating a, a keyboard. But um, Jaime, you posted something about uh, a new. Keyboard alternative for iOS 8?
1: Yes. So uh, in addition to, I think, some of the stalwarts that are out there, and I think Swipe is one of them, and SwiftKey, I want to say, is one of the other ones that comes to mind. That's correct, SwiftKey. Um, Toronto has also now produced uh, this startup named Minuum that's doing kind of an interesting take on the on the keyboard where uh, in the, the TechCrunch article that we'll put in the show notes, it really has a great animated GIF on this where depending on what you're doing parts of that keyboard expand or contract so if you're typing out actual letters that you know you can expand the uh, qwerty keyboard piece to to be larger and and actual tappable but if you're doing more autocomplete or emoji type stuff that actually switches over to a, a very different look and feel so that's kind of an exciting and, and, and different way of doing things than uh, I think some of the other standard keyboards that I've seen.
0: Great period of, of innovation in text input for iOS um, having, having the, the new keyboard uh, extensibility options there. Uh, we've seen a number of keyboards that have ex- existed on Android Swift um, uh, SwiftKey and um, swipe being the two big ones. Um, and uh, minimum actually already exists on Android. Um, they're available really? in the Google play store. Yeah. So if you, if you have one of those things, you can actually try it today. Um, but, uh, in big fruit mag, the, uh, newsletter that I publish every week, I covered another one that, uh, has not existed in, uh, Android and it's called QuickBoard. And, um, it's basically like a, um, a type it for me or, um, what's the other one called? It's really big on iOS actually, uh, that does, uh, auto-completion. All right, okay um and basically what it does is allows you to create uh, macros or sets of of content that you can rapidly drop into uh text fields mm-hmm. um and it's a very interesting take on how to get text into your iP- iphone um and i think we're going to start seeing a lot more of this stuff too as, as the years go on so uh, i'm really excited about this kind of feature so uh, i just love seeing these keyboards and i want more
4: Okay, well, we're just about to wrap it up for the, another week. And so before, why don't we go around the table again and um, see if anybody has any uh, technologies or app uh, app discoveries they've made over the last little while.
0: Okay, I, I wouldn't mind uh, just mentioning briefly uh, Overcast. I um, oh, brought yeah. this up on the pre-show. <laughs> and as you know, it, <laughs> as everyone knows, Overcast is uh, iPhone only uh, at present. I believe Marco is planning an iPad version. Um. I actually installed Overcast on my iPad, um, you know, as an iPhone app at 2X. And I did that because I like to have the choice, depending on whatever device I happen to have on me, um, of playing my podcasts on the iPad or on my phone. And Overcast, because it has, um, a web-based sync engine, um... Will sync the play position between devices, so um, it actually works pretty well on the iPad. Uh, you know, aside from the fact that it's an iPhone app on an iPad screen, which sucks. But um, while the syncing works really great, um, you, if if the if the podcast exists on your phone and on your iPad, the play position is is synchronized almost instantly. So I could basically hit pause on one device, pick up the other device, and pick up right where I left off, and that's terrific. Um, but I think there's, there's still some work that needs to be done in terms of, uh, getting the episodes of any given podcast to download to the device. Um, I've, I've been having just the last few days, so many troubles, um, getting episodes, um, to download, uh, on my iPhone, uh, which were downloaded fine on my iPad. Mm. Um, I would come into my, 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 podcast list and the podcasts are there, but they're not downloaded and I would hit download and it would just kind of hang at 1%.
1: Yeah. So I've, I've had to kill overcast probably every two to three days, I would suppose. Um, and I'd have the similar thing where I'd get a push notification that I have a new episode ready and I go in and it's just sort of stuck in the waiting to download thing. Um, so I suspect that there's probably something wrong in the background fetch code. Because once Uh, I I kill the app and restart it, everything just magically works.
0: But that wasn't, like, I tried that too, and it didn't help. Um, It's just, and it's the funny part is that I'll get a download going, and then it'll be incredibly slow. Um, And that was going on with two different podcasts at the same time. Like, it was to the point where I literally took my iPad for uh, my walk with my dog last night. Right. Because I didn't have the podcast on my iPhone, so I I was carrying my, my I,
4: iPad. So Air. now you know what it's like to have a larger iPhone, right?
0: Yes, I do, and uh, it's, it doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> were,
1: were you taking photos with that iPad as
0: well? <laughs> like an animal. <laughs> Yeah.
4: yeah. What's well, funny, I carry my I, I can fit my my iPad mini in my winter coat pocket, which I think is great. So I don't I don't mind doing that myself. Yeah,
0: well this is an air, you know. We don't have pockets. Oh you have an part. air. Oh I thought yeah, that's like air. you were talking
4: about your mini. Oh, no, no, mini. no, right, no, right. no. It's an air. Yeah, you so need a backpack for that, right?
0: Definitely ridiculous. Um anyway, like I don't wanna I don't wanna rag on overcast. It's it's a great app. I really enjoy it and it's got features that i really appreciate um and i'm sure that marco's on top of this uh but uh yeah i just wanted to make people aware that that was happening
4: well he probably listens to this podcast so he'll oh of course yeah absolutely
0: and and i want to
1: chime in here on on the smart speed feature uh, which has been great for me And, and i'm looking right now at the settings and it says that it has saved me an extra 19 hours of time for the, my podcast. Wow,
0: you listen to a lot of podcasts,
4: <laughs> so, but my question to you guys is: Is I, I used to, I just been using the podcast app from Apple. It, that you think you don't think it syncs between uh, between listens between devices. It, it definitely does. Yes. Oh, it does. Okay.
0: Yeah, it does. It's, it's that's not the problem. The problem is, yeah, syncing works great. Um, is is actually getting the downloads to work? It's no, I'm in, not talking
4: about Overcast. I'm talking about the podcast oh. app. The you know from Apple the podcast. Oh my,
0: my apologies.
4: I'm sorry. Yeah, that's okay. No, I I have no idea. I don't use it. Okay. Well, i, I it's the only one I know of, and you know, I'm sure Mark doesn't know of any other one either. So, um, not being not nope. being hip and happening like you guys are, <laughs> <coughs> can't be tamed. Sorry. I can't be tamed. <laughs> okay. Um, Jaime, do you have anything to uh, drop on our listeners for the week?
1: Yeah, it's it's not exactly a new technology. Um, it's been out for probably several months. Um, but Facebook tweaks is actually something that I've incorporated into a project. Um, hmm. I, there was actually a, a session on that at 360iDev last week. Part of the Facebook pop. Um, session sure, um, but tweaks is is pretty nifty. Um, it makes it really easy to have mm-hmm. values stored in and what's essentially a, a P list Is is how it functions under the, the covers. Um, but let's say you you have several animations or several colors that you're trying to play around with in your app, and let's say you're you're not in charge of determining what that should be. It's pretty easy to create a special build and just hand it over to a product manager or a UX designer or a CEO of your company and say, Hey, like, here's my first cut of this animation. You know, here's how bouncy this little star is. Um, if you want to play around with it, just shake your phone and this UI comes up that lets you go in and change the values of, okay, well, instead of one second, maybe it should be a two second animation. Maybe the friction should be a little bit different. Maybe the bounciness should be a little bit different. Um, and then it's pretty easy for them to export that value and send you an email with, a, I think it's an attached p list if I'm not mistaken. So now I can go in and say, oh, okay, well, here's the actual values I'm going to put into code. Yeah. So it kind of helps save from the, you know, kill the app, precompile, start it again, or having to go through the effort of, okay, let me go into a server configuration, change this, run it again. It, it's something that's pretty easy for, for people to use while they're on the go.
4: So, Mark, do you have anything to uh, – any technologies to add?
3: Uh, nope. Any apps? Nothing? Nothing? Just uh, swing copters. we playing that incessantly. No. Oh
4: <laughs> my game. No, oh, hey, my well, God. Well, this is, this is uh, what, what Aaron just told me was called a FU. So, FU, Aaron. Um, yep. I was just uh, looking at that today on App Annie. So we talked about it last week, having, you know, being featured on the front page of Apple and being in like the number one, almost nearly the number one spot on the App Store. But um, and every Thursday, um, Apple refreshes the content that's on the store. So obviously, we've had we've had a actually they'll be refreshing tomorrow. But I was interested to see that um, it's being featured in 485 places in iTunes on the iPhone and iPad as well. And it's it's on one hundred and fifty eight times on various iTunes um, homepages around the world. That's quite a bit of coverage. And even and even though it's not on not on the front page of the App Store today, it's still it, it, that's the leftover from the push that Apple put on it last week. And when I look at the reviews and ratings, this is disgusting. Are you sitting down, Aaron? Yes, yes, I am. Hit me. Twenty seven thousand ratings.
0: What's the average?
4: Uh, 3.5 stars. <laughs> wow. The current stars. version is 77 ratings. He just, he just released a he's version today. He's updated it a couple of times. Yeah, he's got four stars today, and he's got 77 ratings already. This is, he updated it like sometime today. 27,000 ratings in a week and a half. Yeah.
3: Well, That's said, wow. it's interesting from the, the point of view of it being front and center on the App Store is that uh, if you look closely, the ads are all iAds. They're not Google at all. Yeah,
0: that's new, isn't it? Oh, really? Yep. Wow. Yeah, I thought so. Wow. Very
3: new, yes. Yeah, that's
0: why it's mean, feature featured, too. Yeah, of it. exactly. It that's
3: <laughs> clearly something going on there, some kind of deal where they, you know, Apple featured them in, in response to only using iAds.
0: Well, it's, I don't but, know if that that's controversial. I don't think that's a very controversial thing to say. I think Apple makes
4: deals with a
0: lot of developers. Yeah, true. Yeah. Seems like a reasonable thing to do as
1: a platform owner too. Well, and, sure. and
4: and easily easily, like I said before, it sells more phones. It it actually it actually does uh, put Apple in a good position from a point of view of, of it's an app that's in demand. I mean, every platform needs to have a killer app in some shape or form, right? So, and the iPhone is such a hodgepodge of, of different things. You know, back in the 90s when, when computers were new, you bought a computer because you wanted Lotus One, Two, Three, or you bought a computer because you wanted Word Perfect, or you bought it because you wanted PageMaker and you wanted to get into design and stuff, you know? Yeah. Um, but you know, still every, every little bit of, uh, buzz helps Apple cell phones. So, of course, they're going to get behind it, right? So.
0: The yeah. other app store.
4: The other <laughs> app store, yes. That was episode two or three, I think. Yeah, we're gonna register. Mm-hmm. We should register that domain. What the hell, eh? Why not? Um, well, I all the good the it'll do us because nobody will be there anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Just us four lonely developers, right? I'm the er of software development. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> nobody likes us. <laughs> Um, so my contribution today is a game I've been playing for the last week or, well, yeah, just literally the last week and it's Star Wars Commander and I've been playing Clash of Clans since, um, just before Christmas of last year when my grandsons, you know, started playing it and we decided to form our little, little family clan and, um, you know, playing it for a while. And it's, it's a freemium game that progressively gets harder and harder and harder and the annoying thing about Clash of Clans is is when you're playing is other people when you're not playing the game can come and steal your steal your stuff. They they only have access to a small percentage of what you have, but it, it, as you get further into the game it becomes really frustrating to try and gain any new ground because the 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 amount of you know, coins or gems or, or, or elixirs you have to have get to be so huge that it takes days and days and days to get them and any upgrades you do take a long, long time. We talked about this before, I think, in, in respect to other apps. But so I'm a big Star Wars fan, so anything Star Wars related I'm gonna I'm gonna at least look at, you know, or if not if not start playing. The thing about Star Wars Commander though is is, is it is it, when I started playing it. I started looking at it, and from the from the game board and the gameplay and the rules and the way the game functions. All right, it, it's like it literally looks like they went to the Clash of Clans people, uh, Supercell, bought their engine, skin, you know, threw in some uh, new skins to basically make the new players change, tweaked a few rules, and away you go. And I was and and it you know was a John Williams soundtrack. So to me, it's like okay, I could listen to it all day long. But the surprising thing I found out about it was it is not in any way, shape or form related to anything by Supercell. This is actually produced by Disney and LucasArts. And it's it's like as if a company with more money than God went and built an app that is a complete clone of a number one app on the app store. I mean this is it's I mean I mean that's incredible. And whose goal, by the way, is to generate more money than God. Well, exactly, and and first of all, they're, they're working with like one of the number one franchises in the world, arguably, right? Um, you know, s- soon we'll have a Doctor Who version of this game coming out. I'm no doubt. <laughs> you know, uh, anybody who's familiar with Clash of Clans who plays this game for you know any any length of time will immediately see what I'm talking about. That it is a complete and blatant rip off. You know, shameful. It is. I
0: mean, but not surprising, right? I mean, yeah. we all we all want to be shocked, shocked that oh, this happened. I know, eh? but. There's nobody here on this podcast is surprised by this, <laughs> except
4: me. Uh, really? Come on. Well, no. I I, I I generally thought, okay, well, yeah, the easiest thing for them to do would have been gone over to go over to Supercell and, and put down a bag of money and say we'd like your engine, we're going to put Star Wars on it, and and I would think that you know the Clash of Clans folks would be happy to do that, right? I mean, that's what Angry Birds guys did. They went and oh, you know, Lucas Arts approached sure. them, and they did the same thing, you know. And, you know, people love the Star Wars version of Angry Birds, but, you know, they did it honestly and above the table. And and one of the things I put in the show notes to you guys when we were talking about what topics we're going to talk about is that at least Microsoft had the decency to change Windows enough so it wasn't a blatant ripoff of the Mac OS. They-
3: <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I got spray on my microphone there. <laughs> Thanks, Tim.
4: Well, it's, look at this. They put the start menu at the bottom of the screen instead of the top, right? And all the file menus and stuff like that are actually attached to the windows, not to the top of the screen. So it's different, totally right? Totally different operating Exactly. System. Exactly. And neither one of them stole anything from the Xerox Alter system, right? Oh, don't even get me started on that.
0: Okay. <laughs> that's, that's where you end up. Just end the podcast right there.
1: That was my favorite scene from Pirates of Silicon Valley.
4: Which is Which one? <laughs>
1: where steve jobs and bill gates are talking about you know who stole from who
0: yeah well the thing is is that apple apple made a deal with xerox you know we're going to come in and look at your stuff because we want to commercialize it right you guys have no interest in it so we made a deal right you know okay so nobody nobody stole from xerox right okay you know, Microsoft stole from Apple, but,
4: but did Microsoft Apple? make a deal with with because they also went and looked at the at the altar system at the same time, around the same Microsoft
0: time. Microsoft did. Yeah. Now that's that's news to me.
4: Yeah, so you know, definitely it's 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 in the lore. It's the lore. carved in the stones, you know, up oh. on the hill in, in Cupertino. Hmm. Yeah. No. Apparently, Microsoft, Bill Gates, and, and gang went went over there as well and, and had a look at it. So.
0: Well. Every story I've heard suggests that Bill Gates uh, crapped his pants when he saw the Macintosh.
4: Right, right.
0: Um, so, how much how much did he get from Xerox? Oh boy, this is ancient history, man.
4: I know, eh? We're putting we're putting the kids to sleep. That's what's good and, about this podcast.
0: Yeah, right back here, and we're talking about about Lucas Arts' ripoff of Clash of the Clans, um, a douchebag stealing from a douchebag. LucasArts Lucas or, yeah. or Disney? Sorry, Disney, you know. Really? This is what you're saying, right?
4: Yeah, I think so. I mean, yeah. you know, I mean, you know the, part part of the the, the sentiment that started our, our podcast wasn't the purpose of our podcast. The purpose of our podcast is talk about iOS development and iOS businesses and being indie and not being indie and that kind of stuff. But the, the very first episode, we talked about the fact that it's impossible for indies to survive in the spirit that we all thought we were going to be, you know. Uh Indy back in back in the, the early two thousand eight. It's like Burning Man is no longer the, the, the festival it was supposed to be. It's now a collection of rich kids, right? It's gone corporate. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, so that's kind of a lousy way to end the podcast, but there you go. <laughs> <laughs> with a with a cold bucket of reality. <laughs> that's our ALS challenge right there. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, man. <laughs> Okay, well. Let's button her up
0: here, Tim. <laughs>
4: yeah, so Aaron, where can people find you?
0: In the usual spots, aaron.vey, V E G H dot C A. That's my blog. At Aaron Veigh on Twitter. I'm not going to tell you my app.net because it doesn't matter anymore. And my weekly news magazine, bigfruitmag.net.
4: And Jaime, where can people find you?
0: On Twitter,
1: it's uh, at dev of the hair. Also on app.net, uh, just me and Manton Reese palling around as the only ones left. Uh, at Dev with the Hair, <laughs> and, uh, uh, and also uh, at my blog at hair dot com.
4: And Mark, where can people find you?
3: Uh, same place, double dot dot com, or Mark R at smapsoft dot com, or at smapsoft on Twitter.
4: And once again, as I said at the top of the show, my name is Tim Mitra. I am in Toronto, Ontario. I host this podcast on my website uh, www.itguy.com that's it hyphen guy.com and hopefully you found the podcast there or through one of our tweets or you found us through apple and you subscribed to our podcast and hopefully you give us a good rating and write some reviews for our podcast tell all your friends retweet our broadcast and you know because it really does help And that also goes for all of our apps um, that we produce. You know, reviews do help and they do get the word out. So, once again, we'll see you guys next week and we'll take care from there. So, say goodbye, everybody.
0: Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody.
3: Bye. Bye. Bye.